0: Welcome to the Live Well, Perform Better podcast, brought to you by Below the Line. My name is David Duggan, and I am part of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure, and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors, and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organizations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, and people looking to make their mark on the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is Live Well, Perform Better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest for a conversation that focuses on the question, what do the words live well, perform better mean to you? This question is a way into exploring with people from a range of different backgrounds, industries, and disciplines. What are the practices, techniques, habits, or ideas that they use to help them to show up and be at their best in all areas of their lives, whether that's as CEOs, leaders, or managers, or as parents, family members, or friends. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day. And hopefully, put some of this knowledge, experience, and expertise into play for yourself. This week, I'm delighted to welcome a very special guest, Donna Riley. Donna is a wellness coach and consultant who began her career in human resources in the financial services sector before taking the plunge to set up her own business almost two and a half years ago. Donna's journey into the work she does now came via the opportunities she had to learn about and implement well-being programs with her previous employer. And witnessing the impact they had with the people she worked with it was experiences such as these as well as a deeply held belief that our well-being is something that we can all learn to take better care of that convinced her that she had a role to play and an impact to make outside the confines of her own organization over the course of our conversation donna spoke to me about her own journey why she believes well-being is a concept that takes in a multitude of activities and practices and how and why she encourages her clients to take time to really think about and connect with this idea for themselves so that they reach conclusions, insights and learning that are personal to them, their lives and their situations. Something that she very much tries to live and adhere to in her own life as a busy mother and business owner. Please subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast as well as exclusive online events and sessions including our Press Pause coaching community and our story coaching programs. We'll be back with our next episode in two weeks' time while we take a short break. In the meantime, thanks for listening and see you then. Well, I'll just kick in with the first question, which is, just please tell me, why do you why do, you do what you do?
1: Which is a big question. <laughs> um, so for me, I have had a really keen interest in wellness for, I'd say, the last seven years or so. Um, started when I was working full-time in HR in financial services and I guess it developed from an interest to a passion um, and I was very very fortunate to be able to within my role actually get involved in some wellness and introduce wellness and bring a couple of well-being um, programs into into my role but the passion kind of grew as my role grew and I moved further further away from wellness um, as I had to focus on other kind of stuff so on my third pregnancy, I just took a leap of faith and said, "Let's just follow the passion and see where it brings us." So I guess that's the why is in it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. But also, I've seen the investment, or I've seen the payoff for it personally of investing in well-being. So I, I can see from firsthand for myself, and then also talking to other people and seeing transformations of people. attend attend different events. It's like this actually works. If people take the time and consciously invest in the wellness, it's going to pay dividend across all areas of life so I guess that's why I'm here and particularly over the last couple of years that's been I think seen to be true more than ever that just carving that bit of space and time to invest in your well-being in whatever that means for you and we'll probably touch on that later on but it it does have huge benefits across not only for you but other people in your life and then across all areas of your life as well
0: where did it first start or what what was the spark that got you kind of going there's something here or I'm I am interested in this
1: um to know what I actually only had to think about this because somebody asked me and I the first one I can remember was being at an event and there was a wellness speaker it wasn't a wellness event but there was a wellness speaker event and I think it was Dr. Eddie Murphy if not it was Dr. Eddie Murphy or Bresley one or the other and um because they both happened very at the same times and I'm a real passionate about listening to my gut and literally my stomach was doing like somersaults when they were talking and I was like oh, that's weird and I just I was like this is interesting or well, that's really interesting and it happened again and then the more and more I got invested in it went to different events and spoke to different people it was that gut reaction I was like I I'm really interested in this and I didn't know what it was or what part of it or how but then it just I started to get more and more immersed in it and um, educate myself I was training um thinking about going to be a coach and at the time there was no wellness coach and eventually that came on board um after my first wellness uh, qualification but it was just something that kept on coming up it was like the universe kept on showing me signs wellness 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 and I kept on following them and I at the time was just really fortunate David that I had the business leader that I was supporting at the time I said to him can I do something in wellness?" and he was like oh well really it's not a bit out there and I said look give me a small budget Let me do it it won't impact you at all and um, he did and i got really small budget managed to get a bit of a program going for six months and like absentee absenteeism reduced engagement increased but actually what he would have said was he felt the difference walking into the building and i was like see that you can't put a commercial value on that but he, he just felt the difference in terms of morale how people were engaging each other how they were feeling about it themselves so from there, it just grew arms and legs. I just, any business area went on to support. It was always something that came with me. Um, it was kind of part of parcel as, of everything I did and just thought, let's try and, and make a career out of this myself, um, which was frightening, but haven't looked back so far.
0: What What's that evoking in you? Just got this is speaking to me or this is something I've experienced myself?
1: Um, no, this is something that I want to get involved in to create change. And I, that was crystal clear to me going... I have something I can offer here to help people. Um, and interestingly, it was probably when they were talking about kids initially, that that's what sparked my interest. Um, and it still does, but I felt that I just thought this is something that I can I can bring myself to and, create, and help to create change in.
0: Something else you mentioned there, this idea of, oh, I went to my manager a couple of years ago and the reaction was, look, that's a bit out there. It's no longer out there, um, it's definitely in there. But what does, what does wellness mean to you?
1: I'm often reluctant to prescribe a definition because I know it's so different to everybody. Um, I guess for me, it's particularly over the last couple of years, it's one of the, the huge positives that wellness, particularly mental health, is on the agenda. It's been spoken about in households, it's been spoken about with groups of friends, it's been spoken about in the media it's just everywhere and I'll take that as potentially the one positive of the last couple of years but people now realize that it can be impacted but when you have that self-awareness that your wellness has been impacted you've so much you can do to build it back up again Um, and I think that's what's what's changed um, for me in terms of wellness if you think about even if you think about health when we spoke about health not so long ago we would have only spoke about physical health now we speak about mental health but quite recently when we spoke about mental health we spoke about mental health conditions or mental health illnesses or diagnosing a mental health condition but for me what's happened particularly the last couple of years that conversation has shifted into positive mental Mm -hmm. health so it's not about avoiding mental ill health it's how to boost your positive mental health and overall well-being so for me wellness is choosing my I always call it my menu having my menu of options of things I can do to actively invest in myself my overall well-being and that menu of options could, is, is diverse um, and includes lots of different things but it's my toolbox and it's what I go to and again it's going to be different for everyone which is why I'm always hesitant to to prescribe what might work for someone I'm always saying well what do you think will work for you pure coach and hat on but um yeah, I definitely feel it's shifting and moving constantly towards that boost in positive well-being and mental health um, as avoid, as opposed to avoiding ill health.
0: Our strap line in, in Below the Line is is live well, perform better. But I'd love to know, I suppose maybe a two-party question for you on this one. Does that make sense to you? And if it does, what does what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, it makes absolute sense. And I, I like the way the two are linked because you need to be able to do both and they're so interlinked and so dependent on each other and um, I guess for me the live well is probably the essence of what I do every day because I'm helping people to live well in whatever context that be um, so again and I should have probably explained this in the intro like I do one-to-one coaching and group coaching but then work specifically in that wellness space design and delivering wellness workshops and programs so no matter what pattern I'm wearing I'm always helping people to live a better more healthier um, life but I think for me, as I said, yeah, to, to invest in living well and looking after yourself is going to then impact better performance. And I guess for me, it's not in a corporate sense. So for perform better, I would take it out of that context and think about it holistically in all elements of your life. That it's about the life you lead, the relationships you hold, the activities you're involved in, the groups you participate in and how you choose to spend time with your loved ones, or how you choose to spend time with yourself. So I think better performance for me is is a much more holistic view than what you might think of as turning up and doing your nine to five Monday to Friday. Um, but I do feel the two of them have to go hand in hand to be successful.
0: Picking up on something else, you, you mentioned, um, you know this idea of drawing on tools and and things that you can do to proactively manage your health. What are the things that you draw on?
1: Um, A blend, I would say. Um, First and foremost, it's trying to, and this sounds strange to some people, but give myself permission to invest in myself. Um, I work a lot with particularly women, and I'm not stereotyping here, but we do seem to suffer from guilt of allowing ourselves and giving ourselves permission of time for us. Um, It's guilt that we should be with our kids or our partners or working with our friends. We tend to can deprioritize ourselves so I guess for me the number one is keep myself up there at the top of my own to-do list and making sure I carve out time for me and my well-being that nobody else is going to do that for me nobody else is going to say off you go Donna go and do this for your well-being only I can do that for myself so it's like diet rise in any other meeting or any of the session or any kids activities that I normally would Making sure I place is most important on on that time for me When I have that time, it's a blend of things. So it can go for more, what I would call my deeper tools, which are, I go to healing sessions, whether that be Reiki or angel healing sessions. I go to a kinesiologist quite regularly. And I try to surround myself with positive people. Um, And again, it's going to be different for everyone, but I know definitely for me, when I'm with negative talk or around negative talk, that can really impact me. So it's trying to, to step away from that and protect my own energy. Um, and being present particularly i have three young kids or so particularly when i get time with them life is busy it's trying to be present with them um, and that's easy to set them down because the phone is beeping or you have the dinner to make it there's always things on but it's trying to even if it's just for a couple of moments a day trying to really i guess cherish and be present with the time with them but then it can go up to other stuff and i'm quite there's different skills of thoughts on well-being and investing in your well-being that it can't be superficial things, I actually disagree with that. I feel that if you get your nails done and that gives you a boost of mood and gives you that boost of self-esteem or a boost of confidence, that's well-being. And I always say to people, self-care is anything you can do with the foster kindness towards yourself, anything that you feel better afterwards than you did beforehand. If that's hair, nails, whatever it might be, include that in your overall well-being. Don't make it solely what you do in your well-being. It has to have a more holistic kind of blend of all elements of well-being. So yeah, for me, sometimes it's just as simple as going to the hairdresser, just taking a few hours out and get my hair done, and I feel much better afterwards. But then I have to obviously interlink that with the kind of deeper, more um different types of well-being that that I know that work for me.
0: And the the common thread as I hear you in all of that is um permission. So yes, you're right. If if going to the hairdressers or going and getting the nails done makes you feel better then give yourself the permission to do that and don't um, don't discount it as something that's important to you because we all find meaning in a variety of different things. So, um, yeah, it makes, makes total sense.
1: And it, it does, honestly, it does, David, honestly worry me when I see some people, and again, they're absolutely, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but they're like, self-care isn't getting your nails done. Self-care, is, and I'm going, oh, but if that gives people that boost of mood and they feel better about themselves, even if it's only short-term lift, Um, I think absolutely include it, but include it with the things that are going to work on your wellbeing at a deeper level as well. So, you know, try and think of if it could be with meditation or with yoga or mindfulness, try and have a a blend, but definitely don't discount those activities as not being a form of self-care.
0: We're recording this at a time when things are opening up here in Ireland and and things are quote unquote, going back to normal. But I'm just wondering, what are the main challenges that you see people uh, facing right now? Or what do you think is potentially coming down the tracks for for people as, as we move out of where we've come from to where we're, we're going next?
1: Yeah, um, it's a great question. And it's something I'm fully immersed in at the moment. So I'm working with lots of different organizations on trying to help them support individuals, particularly back to the workplace, whether that be fully back, hybrid, blended, and um, whatever they have in terms of a policy. It's trying to help them from a wellbeing perspective. So I think organizations are doing a really good job on that logistical side of the preparation, but it's helping giving people time out to reflect on how they feel about that transition back to whatever it is and giving them some kind of tools and techniques to support their, their overall mental health and well-being. What I'm seeing, and you know what, it's actually different. I'd say when I did these sessions in September, when we thought we were <laughs> coming out and going back to the workplace, it would have been, <laughs> excuse me, it of a 50-50 split between excitement and nervousness. This time around, I'm definitely seeing a bit more excitement, but with that mix of nervousness. And the nervousness for me is a few different things. It's, it's anxiety about health and safety concerns. It's been two years since, since I set foot on a bus, on a train or into an office. So how will I do that from a health and safety um, perspective? It's seen groups. It's been two years since I've seen people that I work with. It's seen big groups again in that office space environment. Which can be it's a genuine cause of overwhelm for some people. Um, and then it's actually the impact of the change in my balance. So I'm used to a certain way of working. When we're working, I've worked, I've some people have moved home, moved to different counties, set up childcare around that. And then it's actually all going to change. So it's trying to offer people just space for preparation so that when they do get off the lift on the first day or when they do do the commute for the first time, they're mentally ready and they've taken time to prepare for any changes that there might be to the work-life balance. I guess that's where I'm seeing from a return to work perspective. Other things that I'm seeing outside of that context is around people's energy. And I don't know if, if you agree with this, but life has got busier, literally overnight for people. Um, with our recent re- lifting of restrictions, which I think was the 21st of January and around that, um, we literally got told overnight things were immediately changing, which hasn't happened before. It was always done at a real steady, uh, um, slower pace. So all of a sudden, and I can only speak for my life, social life was back, lovely, Um, but so are kids' activities. So we've two kids at the moment, three that doesn't do any activities because you're so little, but the other two are in several activities. So all of a sudden, evenings became about packing bags, taxiing, friends wanting to meet up, work getting busier. And I just feel all of a sudden life has got a bit, yeah hectic for people and I worry about people's energy levels within that so I notice and when I chat to a lot of clients and even friends are saying I am just so tired I'm going to bed earlier I'm getting a bit more sleep but I just can't keep up with my with everything that's gone I'm absolutely shattered I mean there's something there for me in the energy and um, they're obviously expending their energy supply and again it comes back to just taking time to reinvest that and replenish and re your energy levels but definitely the energy um, levels and you mentioned the long term. I guess for me, long term, it's a really difficult question to answer. Um, And I was chatting about this the other day to somebody else to say that I think what we've been through in the last couple of years has nearly gone through an autopilot and a bit of survival mode. So it's like if you are in a car accident and your body goes into shock and it's tense and it's not fully realizing or recognizing everything that it's just been through. I think that's the equivalent for some of us, what we've been through in the last couple of years. And I think it's only when we start to relax and wind and reflect, then people will start to understand um, and respond to what they've been through or what has just happened. So I do feel it will take that bit of reemergence into nor- into society and normality, although I'm not a fan of the word, but yes, into into um into life, as we did notice it's for people to have that time to reflect digest and just respond to what's happened and I don't know none of us know I guess what the extent of that will be from a mental health and wellbeing perspective and but what we do have control over is what supports we put in place for individuals so we don't know the extent of the problem but I do feel we have a really good opportunity at the moment to develop supports from a government perspective from a community perspective from what we do just to be ready to support people for if and when that does happen
0: yeah yeah um Are you, in terms of, it's particularly, I'm thinking individual clients who are coming to you for coaching around, obviously their health and the well-being, but, you know, this transition, I know something that I've said to myself is, I really want to be conscious now about what are the things that I fundamentally want to hang on to, that the good practices, the good things, the the positives of all of this, um, and that I'll fight, not necessarily tooth and nail, but I, I will, you know, I will go to... Considerable lengths to make sure I hang on to those. And then I think, uh, then there's going to have to be things that I'm going to have to let go of or just be more flexible around. I mean, what's your take on that in terms of individual clients that you're working with? Are you seeing that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great question. And I feel that, and no doubt you come across this as well in the work that you do, that sometimes when we go through change, we go through it in autopilot mode and we're kind of on the hamster wheel. And we're like, oh, this is different. And we keep on going. And it's only when we're through the other end, and we're like, wow, what just happened? And I would always encourage people to just take time to reflect. So even by spending an hour with me, if it's a group or a one-to-one client, I'm saying to you, this is your time, park the emails, park your to-do list and reflect. So there's a couple of things I get them to do. And I guess the, the, the number one thing is what do you enjoy about your current balance? And for some... Sometimes they kind of look at me going, why? Like I let's talk about what I'm moving to. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is the opportunity that you have to go, what is it you enjoy with your current balance? What is it about that remote work and balance that's working really well for you? Which could be combinations of I get to do a bit of exercise during the day, get to drop the kids to school, or I get to get my shopping done at lunchtime, or I get to get a bit done around the house. So it's not as busy even. So whatever it is, it could be as small or as big, but what is working really well for you? What are the elements of it that you enjoy? Some people are happy to leave some things behind. Some people really want to hold on to things. So I really get them to funnel down and identify what is it they enjoy about that current or work and balance, okay? So they might have a couple of things that they really enjoy. And then we start to look at the future and look at transition and look at hybrid work and how can you retain those really important elements as you transition? And it's going to be different to everybody. But then we kind of look at building their boundaries in the future, making sure there's some time for them. and always going back to those things that they want to retain and how can they make sure that they're in in, in as they transition and that they don't feel, God, life just went back to, to normal now and I forgot all those things that I used to enjoy doing, they're gone. So it's just trying to give them that space and time to think about it and create a bit of plan or some steps to retain some of the elements of their current life that they, they really enjoy.
0: Yeah, yeah um and with your um your hr practitioners hat on because it's not like that that you've left that all behind you because it's it's a big part of of what you do now but what's what's your sense or what's your advice for leaders or organizations in this space as they um try to work this out themselves
1: uh yeah i definitely use my hr hat and it's so interesting when i started out here i'm like i'm a wellness consultant but particularly over the last six months, I'm totally stepping back into the HR space and I'm loving it. And um, so I'm getting a lovely opportunity to combine both. But yes, your, your question is definitely interesting because I'll take it from a leader perspective as well. When I talk about leader, I'm going to talk about managers. Um, for me, those kind of middle layer of managers where they're managing a team, but also are obviously um, um, responsible not resp- accountable to other leaders in the organization, that kind of middle layer. For me, they are the group that I have a concern over, because if you were going back two years ago, they had to check in and properly check in on their team from like a mental health and wellbeing perspective. They could have been the only person that was checking in into people on their team. Like you don't know in terms of isolation what was going on for people, so they really went into that parent caring mode overnight. And I think for 2020, that was that was okay. And just keep the lights on, make sure your team are okay. But then what happened last year was it kind of got a bit back to normal. Targets were there. and People were expected to perform to different standards, metrics. There was a lot more drive for performance, but also checking in on your team. So I think for those managers, they had a lot to do. They were contending with holding down their performance of their team, their own performance, checking in their team from a wellbeing perspective and also minding themselves. Like they're human as well. They're experiencing different... Um, things outside of work, from levels of restrictions or lockdowns or whatever is going on for themselves. So, I do feel that for them, we've a, there's a level of responsibility just to mind them as we transition. That they will have views on if they want to transition to hybrid work and if they want to stay full remote, but they have to park that and support their team and whatever the organisation policy or guidelines are. So, again, they've a lot of there's a lot of complexity in terms of their role and particularly from a well being perspective. Um, and then I guess for organizations, and not that I'm pro-organization or pro-employee, but they're learning too. Like, this is so new for them. If you had asked a HR department or a line manager two years ago, can I work remotely? It would be in a solid no for majority of organizations. Absolutely not. There's no way your role can work from a remote working perspective. There's no way you can bring confidential documents home, never mind into a cafe or a hub's bus, Never happening. Whereas we they had to adapt overnight, but they're still learning. Just because they adapted doesn't mean that it can happen forever. So I know with some of the groups I work with, they're like, "Why do I have to go back to the office?" Right? I'm showing you I can work remotely. But I guess with the organisations, they're 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 not fully there yet. They still need to transition as much as the rest of us. So I guess they're in the background peddling a couple of different guidelines and policies and trying to really make it work as much as possible for everybody. But conscious that there's no way they'll be able to keep everybody in the organization happy um, in terms of what the requirements would be for work and ways of working going forward. So I guess, yeah, they're learning too. Um, I think they've done a really good job. There's some of the most conservative organizations that I met have the most, um, I guess, flexible approach to hybrid working that I've ever seen. So they're really pushing themselves to go, let's give this a go and let's not make it a phase let's embed it now let's come up with agile work and let's come up with hybrid working practices and that two three day mix seems to be what they're mostly doing but let's just do it and embed it and that's our future ways of working so I do feel for some of them like hats off to you you're really trying to make make a go with this and build your culture around it build your values around it and there's a huge element of trust from both sides and um, that needs to be there in order to, I guess, make that successful.
0: Related back to some of the things you were talking about earlier, um, just to habits, pra- practices, behaviour, stuff that you engage in on a daily basis for yourself. I was really interested to know who or what are the, the people that you take your cues from? Do you have your own personal kind of gurus that you look to or follow or uh, tap into when it comes to health and wellness and looking after yourself? Who are they for you?
1: Oh, that's a nice question. Um, and I'll first, just I should have caveated the last answer by saying I'm in no way perfect. I'm not this person that has it all sewn up. I absolutely have weeks where I suffer stress, overwhelm, work takes over, kids take over, life takes over, and I find myself running on empty. So I guess for me, just to say that, that I'm definitely as human as everybody else. I'm sure that they'd be, my husband listening to listeners going, I don't know the last time you took self-care. I'm like, I do. But I do think sometimes it just, takes that sense of overwhelm to get you back on track so I just think for anybody listening don't feel that um there's any sense of perfection for me at all um oh guru perspective that's really interesting I guess it's people that I instantly resonate with their values and their messages um there's so many wellness people out there at the moment so obviously Jerry and Miriam huge followers of theirs and passionate about what they do and I guess for me, I love listening to Jerry because when you listen to him, you're just reminded you might've heard the talk before, but it's like going, oh, I needed to hear that again. And um, so I guess, yeah, anybody who's creating that positive, doable message that it's achievable and not making it something that needs to, you need to put your life's energy into that practice and wellbeing or investing in your wellbeing could be as little as taking nuggets of time on a daily or weekly basis. So yes, I guess for me, it's them. I'm uh, Big fan of podcasts, um, like Brené Brown, or I read. I always have books on my bedside locker. I'm reading Atomic Habits um, by James Clear at the moment. There's always a few there, and I dip in and out of them when I when I need to, um, and I, I actually love Georgie Crawford's podcast as well. She always has interesting guests on that I that aren't necessarily preaching about wellness, but people sharing their stories. And that's, I think, one of the, the biggest nuggets of information going, I've been through that, or I've experienced something like that, and that's will work for them. Why don't I give that a go? So I guess, yeah, wide variety of people that I'd be interested in. Definitely not one person, but it's whoever's message and guest values resonates mostly with me.
0: Great, great. Thank you. Um, and then last question, um, what's your first piece of advice for anyone who might approach you or is listening to these conversations um, and thinking about uh, where do I start with all of this in terms of improving how I live well and perform better? What's your what's your go-to piece of advice?
1: Figure out what will work for you. I think we live in a society of huge self-comparison, um, particularly with social media and there, particularly with the conversation that we're having around wellness and self-care, that it's, it's, it's everywhere at the moment. And I do feel for some people, they look and they go she's done three yoga sessions or they've been to gym five times, or they're always sea swimming I don't do any of that I'm 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 terrible and then that inner voice just multiplies and multiplies the negative inner voice I should say so I say firstly start with you what is it that brings you joy what is it that when you're doing it you're fully immersed in the activity you're not thinking of anything else that's gone around you or the to-do list or emails you're just enjoying what you're doing you're in flow and I always try and get people to really reflect on that, and that can be hard. Um, I'll, and I give you a few examples of, you know, for people playing sports. Sometimes they're on that pitch or on that court; they're not thinking about anything else. They're fully immersed, or reading a book, or people get lost in podcast land as well. So, what is it that activity? That's usually an indicator that that's something that afterwards your energy levels would be slightly lifted, your mood would be slightly lifted, and it, that's that's for me that well being habit. For some people, it's going to the gym afterwards; they feel full of energy. For the people, that's not for them at all. So I guess it's trying to really reflect on what brings you joy and what boosts your energy levels and trying to combine them and just start to slowly form some, force, some sort of health, self-care, well-being habit for you. But and I think the slowly is really important for me. Just take nuggets of time. It doesn't have to be an hour out of your day three times a week. It could be just starting with five minutes, going out the back, having a cup of coffee in silence without a phone and just being present. That could be enough. And then it's just building it up slowly from there. So biggest piece of advice is focus on what works for you as opposed to what works for everybody else
0: fantastic donna um it I want to say thanks very much for taking the time especially as people don't need to know this but we did have some technical issues so you've given more than your fair share but also um you know when we first met you were um as you say in 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 the corporate kind of environment and that world and it's been fantastic to watch you step out and um build what you're building and do what you're doing so congratulations to you for that and thanks very much for 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 being a guest um on the podcast i really appreciate it
1: thanks for having me thank you